Hello, a warm welcome to the Ed Podcast, the exclusive audio magazine for Cheadle Hume School parents, and season's greetings. We hope you're looking forward to a festive CHSmas. By now, hopefully you'll know that I'm James, currently studying in the Upper Sixth at CHS. And as your regular Ed Podcast host, I'll be taking you through this especially seasonal episode of your monthly insight into the life of our school. With jingles all the way and plenty of chat from across the CHS community in between, join us as we celebrate the festive season by exploring the altruistic side of the school. In this episode, you can hear how students and staff have been turning their thoughts to those less fortunate, particularly at this time of year. In fact, I have to ask you, did you find yourself in the audience watching our musicians perform at Manchester's Royal Northern College of Music for CHS's Christmas at the Movies concert? I know it is unusual that we'd open an episode of the Ed podcast with a thank you, but that night you all did a fantastic job of raising money for Manchester's homelessness charity, A Bed for Every Night. Your support will absolutely help the charity provide a comfy bed and personal support for anyone sleeping on the streets of Manchester who cannot access other accommodation. Thank you so much. Well, let me tell you, December is perhaps the busiest time of year for our school choirs. Not only performing at the RNCM, they've given up their time to sing at St Anne's Church in Manchester to raise money for Ronald McDonald House and entertain patients by singing carols at Withinshaw and Manchester Children's Hospitals. In this episode, we explore how altruism at CHS takes many forms and that fundraising is just one of the many ways students and staff work to support a variety of great causes. They also help raise awareness, volunteer, offer non-monetary donations and provide support through outreach activities. You're going to hear how outreach projects like the student-run Coffee and Cake Morning in the Senior School Dining Hall helped local elderly residents have a very happy Christmas and allow CHS's students and staff to engage with the wider community. Enjoyed doing it. At the end, when they were all saying thank you, they all said how much they really appreciate it. There was one woman who stood up and said thanks to us all, and it was just, yeah, it was nice to see that they weren't alone and they were just having lots of conversations. Like, I didn't see one person alone at any time. Anyone, everyone was talking to everyone. We'll also be catching up with a few students whose altruistic endeavours in school have led them to helping out with charities from Stockport all the way over to Uganda. I was like, oh, I'm going to volunteer here. But then after the second time, I kind of realised, do you know what? Like, there's so much more to life than just doing stuff for yourself. You, know, you need to give back. And uh, just seeing the smiles on their faces when they achieve something is so rewarding. 2019 has seen many, many important issues addressed around the world. If you can take one thing from the year, perhaps it's that by engaging in conversation and being proactive, it's actually possible to make a difference and bring about positive change. Old Waconian of the Month and marine biologist Rachel Gunn, class of 2013, tells us why she chose to dedicate all her time to protecting the environment. And you can now hear how our junior school eco-warriors are now beginning to be inspired and follow in her footsteps. My favourite bit about the Eco Committee is just uh, helping to protect the environment so we have a more eco-friendly world so eventually in the future no one will have to worry about pollution or plastic or anything. Instead of using like diesel cars with petrol you could use hybrids uh, or electric cars just to, or just to help so we don't use any fuel and don't pollute the air. Right, here's a question for you. Have you actually ever wondered 
what really goes into serving up to 1,400 Christmas dinners, which might I say are just delicious. In this episode, what did you do today? You can actually find out the answer to this question as CHS's head chef and Christmas dinner expert, and let me tell you, he certainly is an expert, Andy Wilcox of Independence by Sodexo gives a few of his tips for preparing your own Christmassy culinary delights. We're looking at about 170 kilos of fresh turkey breast. We're going to do 1,350 pigs in blankets. There'll be 15 kilos of stuffing. We'll have honey roast root vegetables on the day, uh, which comprises of 55 kilos of carrots, 25 kilos of celeriac, 25 kilos of parsnips, 20 kilos of swede, 50 kilos of the dreaded Brussels sprouts. And then we've got to make roast potatoes, which we start off with 200 kilos of potatoes. So not only can you learn about the fantastic culinary skills of our catering staff here at CHS, you can also hear from year 12 student Maisha, who offers her own insight into the CHS bursary fund and how supporting it is actually one of the most altruistic gifts you can possibly give this season. I was struggling to find time to revise and stuff for GCSE. Um, um, I got Mrs. Dunn as my own mentor, which is great. And she helped quite a lot. So we put together a revision timetable and stuff. And I think that sort of thing, it wouldn't happen at other no. schools. And I think that's, it really yeah. helped me. Because I mean, I ended up- to you. Yeah, it is. And I think that's a great thing about her. So I think being in the bursary means that I did actually do a lot better than I would have elsewhere. Um, if that's still not enough to get you rocking around the Christmas tree, listen to a few words from the infants as they prepare for their all-important nativity. And allow our choirs to soundtrack your listening of this episode with their rousing CHS renditions of just a few Christmas classics. Let me tell you, there is nothing quite like the sound of CHS's senior chorus singing that huge Mariah Carey hit, All I Want For Christmas Is You. That has absolutely, I've got to say, kicked off our festive episode. with our altruistic CHSmas theme, let's now head over to the junior school where a few pupils have been getting ready to celebrate in their own special way. Year 6 have been filling their own hand-decorated charity hampers which will be donated to Age UK in Stockport. And lower down the school, the infants have been making and opening advent calendars which, instead of chocolates, feature random acts of kindness. We caught up with a few of them to ask why they think one of the Waconian values is compassion and why it's particularly important at this time of year. I'm William and I'm in year six and we're going to be collecting money for shelter for our homeless people. Because I think Christmas is just a time for sharing and caring for other people. Caring yeah. um, and sharing. Is it sharing and caring? I'm Sydney and all my family come here for Christmas dinner. I think compassion is like how you care for someone. Like if you don't care, you're not really compassioning where it was to do someone. My name's Henry and um, Christmas. 
everyone's coming to our house. Christmas is about um, spending time with your family. It's the most happiest time of the year. I think it's not very fair, like, because some people don't get any family to go to. So you should be compassionate to them, because then you can actually like, have a friend to go to Christmas with. My name's Emma, and I'm in year four. And we're making advent calendars. Sometimes we might do acts of kindness, and sometimes we might just well-being. Yeah, every day, except that weekend, we're doing like something. So we have to think of something every day that we can do. No, well, we already have kinds, like saying disco, do that one day, or like do another day, like stretch. It says like a yeah, so like passion. We can do well-being, or we can do a random act of kindness. Instead of having chocolate as well being some days we might do yoga. Yeah. I think compassion is caring about other people's feelings and sort of helping them when they need help. Making people happy. Like Christmas fair. Because we get to have fun as well as raising money to other people so they can have fun as well. That was the choir. Like me and Emma, we do the choir. It's like we raise money for just singing. So yeah, he's like free. And we're raising money for other people and um, well, when we're singing, other people enjoy it and we have fun singing as well. So. I'm Jennifer and um, at Christmas we invite our family over. It's just like nice to spread a, um, like a smile. So just giving a gift to someone can make them feel a lot better. It makes you feel good because like you feel like you've done so, something to help someone else. In year six, all of us make side pampers for the elderly and like just like spreads a smile to make them happy. There's a lot of them. When I mean a lot, I mean a lot. And then we go to the place and then um, we give them to elderly people who are like alone. It just makes them really, really happy. Just, just to make people happy. feel good on Christmas. To make them happy. You shouldn't just be nice at Christmas, you should be nice all the time. Well, let me tell you, the cold has come, and it has come with the vengeance, but whilst it may be cold outside, a number of CHS students in the senior school have also got their own charitable stories that will warm everybody's hearts. Annually, Thursday the 5th of December is International Volunteer Day, and whilst it's just 24 hours on the calendar, it is a fantastically great opportunity for volunteers and organisations to celebrate their efforts, to share their values and promote their all-important work. With this in mind, a few CHS students spoke about some of the things they have been doing away from school to help those in need. Hi, I'm Ellie. I'm in Upper Sit, and this year I worked with the Little Things Charity after meeting with one of their head managers. And what their aim is to do is to provide medical equipment for developing countries for children's hospitals. So this year I did a bake sale. Five of my best friends helped me, so we all baked and then brought it in. And overall we raised about £600 and it was really successful. They were asking for help on Facebook and I'd never heard of it. It's a really small charity. So then I messaged and we met up and had coffee and talked about it. And then, yeah, it went from there. And then I'm planning on running the marathon for the charity as well. So I'm gonna get little sponsors from that and whatever I raise from that will go towards it as well. I've done, I think the furthest I've gone so far is like 15K, so still got a long to, way to go, but my dad does marathons, so he's training me. 
<laughs> and my auntie's doing it as well, so we're all doing it for the charity, so we should raise a significant amount, hopefully. <laughs> Since I've got older, I've never really done any charity work, so I thought it was at the start of the year, so workload wasn't as heavy, so I thought it'd be a good opportunity to do it. And it was my mum's idea, like, oh, let's do this, and you can't really say no. So I was like, yeah, I'll happily do it, and now I'm just... And I just want to keep going. I'm Katie, I'm in sixth form and I volunteer at Seashell Trust which is a trust for disabled people. I volunteer to help out with football once a week and I've been doing it for about three years now. I'm not the best at football but it's okay, I, I fit in quite well. Um, but we mainly just help out so like setting up the cones in as well with the children we help them to do the tasks as well because sometimes they can be hard or sometimes they can get distracted so it's really to keep them focused on the game. They try and build the techniques up as well. It's just basic things like helping them like, to like look at the person before they pass and make sure people are watching and like really getting involved in the game. You think about it, you just think oh, it's a game of football but for some people it can be a lot harder than that and there is a lot of aspects you like have to take into account, you know, it's not just kick a ball it's like the ball's coming where's it coming how do I stop it like who am I going to pass to where do I need to pass but it's also good as well like the parents are all there and it gives them a break and as well like it's nice to see them excel at something as well and for once not be like an outsider but to really just them to be involved and part of the team I'd heard about it because my brother helped out and I just thought it sounded like a really interesting thing. And then the DV had to do volunteer work. So it started off and I was like, oh, I'm going to volunteer here. But then after the second time, I kind of realised, do you know what? Like, there's so much more to life than just doing stuff for yourself. You, know, you need to give back. And uh, just seeing the smiles on their faces when they achieve something is so rewarding. After a week of school, you think, I just want to do whatever I want at the weekend. But then once you've been, you always think, like, I'm so glad I've got. Like, I've helped out 20-odd kids and it's like for one hour it's just so worth it is that it really doesn't take much when people think of volunteering think it's a chore I've got to do it but it's not like that at all if you find something that you enjoy I don't see it as volunteering like I just go now because I enjoy it not only do I like, enjoy seeing the children it's a fun place to be and the people are all really nice you see them grow as well so there's so many of them that have been there like the whole time I have and you really have seen them progress they started off and they weren't as involved they didn't love it as much whereas now they do so it is really lovely it's like finding out about it because some people think volunteering is a charity shop like I need to go and work in there or something like that but there's so much you can do like there's so many charities about and it's not always like raising money obviously at the end of the day that is important but also time is just invaluable that's the most important thing to give and it's like do you really say you can't spare one hour a week just to help others I'd say starting maybe a little group because you don't know what it's going to be like but then really just get involved when I hear about the bursary I've got to tell you all I can think about is the very thing we've been discussing in today's podcast altruism I believe it is something that is so important to allow others access to the level of education that's offered here at CHS. I'm aware of some people that I know, some of my friends are on bursaries, some of my friends are on scholarships, and let me tell you, I am so glad that that is offered, because if we didn't have bursaries, I wouldn't know them. I feel that as a school community, it's allowed us to become more vibrant, and it's allowed us to have a greater breadth of shared knowledge and experience and skills. To find out more, 
the Ed podcast has caught up with a student who says that for them, the CHS bursary fund has had an especially significant impact. My name is Moesha and I'm a bursary student at CHS. I live in Edgeley, which is sort of like central Stockport, and I'm friends with Abby, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I live in Barrow, which is like a oh, bit further. A bit further, <laughs> like North Manchester. Yeah. I think we met when we were on the first day of yeah, sixth form, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. Because I haven't been at school. You've been at school yeah. since when was year that? Seven, I year think seven. It was, yeah, it was year seven. And I started in lower six, so we met on the first but, day. Yeah, Abby's quite nice, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. Thanks for that. No, I think with the bursary fund, I think when I was lower down, I felt a bit more like, oh, I'm I'm the only one in the bursary fund. Whereas now people are a lot more open about having the bursary fund. So I think like when we first met, I mentioned it. Yeah. And like, yeah. Oh, right, cool. And I think it's not as much of a boundary no. between making it's friends it's like it, it might even be more of a sort of a, yeah all the opportunity it gives you as well yeah definitely you're more comfortable just saying it and yeah. saying how much it's helped you as well which yeah it's really nice and i think because we're from very different backgrounds <laughs> but yeah well like we're still like we yeah, still got on okay I guess. the first okay. day clicked and we do have a lot in common <laughs> and we can talk for ages we can about random literally things literally nothing yeah so what what was it like when you found out you had a place at chs so I'm quite close with my cousins. So like I brought, I've been brought up very close to them. So they're all like my brothers and sisters. And the oldest cousin out of all of us, he's in his twenties. And when I first got it, he rang me to because he needed letters coming in. He was like, "Did you get it? Did you get it?" And I was like, "Yeah, I did." And then I was like, "Hang on, should I go or should I not?" <laughs> Even though he was, I, I think I was pretty overwhelmed with it. And he was like, "You've got this opportunity. Take it with yeah. it, like everything you've got." So I think when I found it, I was very, 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 very happy. Aww. And then. I think I did struggle when I first started because the lifestyle that I was used to was very different to the lifestyle that other people had. So, I mean, for example, and I think I've mentioned this to you, like, everyone talks about skiing, and I've never been skiing in my life. <laughs> the only time I've ever seen skiing is kind of, like, at the chill factor when I was yeah, climbing. Yeah, yeah, So, like, a lot of people go skiing, and then I was like, skiing? <laughs> Even for me, coming from another private school, this school is so original and so different yeah. to anything. Like, walking up the road as well and seeing, like, yeah. all the massive buildings. <laughs> it's a lot, and especially if you're in year seven, and you've been in like a small school yeah coming into a big school is is did enough. you come from a small school or yeah like a right. little primary school yeah so you know the Bolin primary yeah school. yeah That's quite a lot of people went there um it's it's a lot just going to big school but coming into this which is like a big big school and it's like oh you've got so many it's buildings like that I, I remember know. I used to get lost and my peer mentor found me once and she's like oh. are you okay and I was like no I'm completely lost can you help oh. so she's like let me have a look at your timetable for me everyone at home so like my cousins and all my friends outside of school they're schools aren't like as big i mean i was like talking about it just passionately to like yeah. one of my cousins and she was like you what <laughs> you have bell tower you have and then i was like yeah there's like a art studio for the six formers so and like cool. it's like i think like once like, i was sat there talking with her because she's our age yeah. as well i don't think i realized until like a few years in mm. that i think private school is quite different from yeah. public school it is a lot like even the atmosphere yeah the like atmosphere is completely different and also this school being so original yeah it's like nothing you've ever seen before I've yeah. never got used to coming yeah. here every day like it's still no, it's still a bit like <laughs> yeah, yeah. for me I've been here for so long now mm. and it's like all the only high school I've ever known I mean I like I had the same maths teacher for yeah. three years I like the same I only ever had like one physics teacher for me it's like home yeah but at the same time it feels a bit weird because everyone at home is used to yeah. completely different high school and like completely yeah. different atmosphere but it's good because like it <laughs> now i'm looking to go into medicine my epq is on the humanitarian response to like ebola and 
I'm finding that so interesting. And I think I wouldn't have pursued it so yeah. eagerly had I, yeah, had I not come here, I don't think. I know we all moan it because school has quite high expectations <laughs> of us, but I think it's actually quite a good thing yeah. in ways. I mean, it's a lot of pressure, but also we all ended up with a pretty good, like, juicy thing. Yeah, the most out of you possible. Yeah. Like, you do things you didn't even think you could be able to do. And I think for me, because I'm, like, I procrastinate a lot. <laughs> so being in school, like, because obviously we have to be in school, it makes me do a lot more work. And then I think because I do a lot more work, I'm able to like sort of go into yeah. what I want more. Does, yeah, does a school mean? like a school can so easily give up on you, but this school yeah. doesn't give up on anyone. No, they don't. Like, they every don't. Every single person. Yeah, I think that's yeah. They give their all too. Yeah, they do. I've noticed that as well. Like if you're falling behind, they won't just say you need to pick up your grades. I'll say to yeah. you. Here's well, how. yeah, and do I you think, need help? Do you need help? What can we do for you? And like for me, I struggle with my procrastination <laughs> all the time. So I um I got an exam mentor because I was struggling to like find time to revise and stuff for GCSE. Um, um, I got Mrs. Dunn as my own mentor, which is great. And she helped quite a lot. So we put together a revision timetable and stuff. And I think that sort of thing, it wouldn't happen at other no. schools. And I think that's, it really yeah. helped me. Because I mean, I ended up to you. Yeah, it is. And I think that's a great thing about her. So I think being on the bursary means that I did actually do a lot better than I would have as well. So I went to Chile Heath Primary School and David went to Chile Heath as well, about 50, 60 years before me. Yeah. <laughs> I met him in year seven and that was after like a couple of weeks or months since joining, I can't remember when. So he still donates to Chile Heath Primary School as well as here. And we were talking about the differences between Chile Heath and here. So he was talking about when he joined here, it wasn't private. Um, and it was, it, he just, he like came here for high school and how, we were talking about how it was much easier for him to get in despite like having come from the same background as me. And I think we were talking about how it's harder for me to get in. But I think meeting him kind of helped me put a face to the people who are like yeah. funding me. Because I think when you say you're on the bursary, it's easy to forget that it's actual people funding it. But I think it was quite nice meeting him. And then yeah. five years later, I saw him again. And yeah, it was... It was did you remember? Yeah, I, I think Aww. we did. I'm not, I'm not sure, but... Yeah, I, I think we did actually. So I shook his hand again and I was like, oh my God, it was like, it's just like a new son. <laughs> but I think it was because obviously he's changed and I've changed like, and I've grown up. So it was quite interesting. Like it was like during the parallels oh, like, of it. But it was quite nice because I think it'd be nice for more donors to meet with more bursary students. Because I think for me, that was a really nice experience for me to put a face to the people who are like paying for me to come here. Yeah. And also... I think I reckon it's nice for the donors as well to see meet who they are actually yeah. funding and that person's interest and like see them as a person rather I like than seeing name where, where yeah. their money's going. Yeah, I think it's, it's quite helping. nice. Yeah, definitely. If you'd like to know more about the CHS Bursary Fund or how you can help support it, please do take a moment to visit the school website for more information. So, let me ask you, what is your Christmas dinner tradition? Is your plate not complete until it's piled high with stuffing? Have you ever forgotten the pigs in blankets? Which, by the way, is a crime. And should Brussels sprouts be banned or enjoyed all year round? Let me tell you, when I was younger, not so much of a fan. Detested them. Little green devils to me. But now, now they're fantastic. Absolutely love them. Give me a Brussels sprout any day and I'll be happy. Don't worry. In fact, in my opinion now, Christmas dinner is not complete until you have at least three Brussels sprouts or four or five. Anyway, whatever makes your perfect festive meal, there's some serious pressure on the cook to deliver. One person who knows how to remain cool, calm and collected under pressure is CHS's head chef Andy Wilcox of Independent Spice Adexo. Let me tell you, feeding, get ready for this number, 1,000 
400 students each year is no mean feat. So he took a minute out of his hectic schedule to offer his top tips on how to prepare for making the most important meal of the year. And there's no arguments about that. It is the most important. I'm Andy, head chef at Cheadle Hume School, working for Independence by Sodexo. Been the head chef here for over 15 years now. So at the moment, we're approaching the Christmas festive period. We're looking at about 1,500 Christmas dinners, turkey dinners, all on one day, uh, which is quite a, a task. Uh, it's like a military operation to make it happen. We've got different amounts of produce going to be coming in for that day. We're looking at about 170 kilos of fresh turkey breast. We're going to do 1,350 pigs in blankets. There'll be 15 kilos of stuffing. We'll have honey roast root vegetables on the day, uh, which comprises of 55 kilos of carrots, 25 kilos of celeriac, 25 kilos of parsnips, 20 kilos of swede, 50 kilos of the dreaded Brussels sprouts. And then we've got to make roast potatoes, which we start off with 200 kilos of potatoes. We treat it like any other day here. Um, because every day we have dietary requirements, we, we have quite a good list of dietary requirements. Um, we offer vegetarian every day, vegan every day, and we always look after all allergens. We take that very, very seriously. So Christmas lunch day is exactly the same. There'll be vegetarian on offer that day, which I think I'm doing a, a mushroom and spinach crown for them, and uh, that will be vegan also, which makes it a bit easier for ourselves, so the vegetarian is vegan also. Then we make sure we've got ones with no milk, no cheese, and, and so on, and all allergens are there. And we, we pay attention to things like the allergens, so we won't butter the vegetables, because then it excludes certain people, so we try and make sure we can accommodate everybody. Um, so we try and keep allergens to a very minimum. We tend to know how many vegetarians we're going to have through, and how many vegans, uh, off the top of my head, we we'll probably have about 90 vegetarian, 10 vegan, and then we, we, we know who the allergen people are by name anyway, who come through. Mm. Christmas lunch is a different day altogether, isn't it? It's a big stretch going from morning break. So we cater morning break, and then we've got a quick turnaround to get the food ready for the main service. So, you know, if we've got 200 kilos of potatoes going through the oven for roasties, we, we need to get into them ovens earlier. So it's a real challenge with the oven space we have uh, and the time with the staff as well, because if everyone's got their own little jobs and duties, so it's coordinating everybody to be, you know, as useful and as efficient with time as we can be, to be ready. And we can be ready on time, and then it's just keeping on top, keeping it going um, through, a, which is an hour and 20 minute service really. Which is, it's a great day to be honest. We've got a choir in the background, the school choir playing. Um, we're, we're all festive, we have hats on, Christmas jumpers and the kids have Christmas crackers on the table. It's a little bit easier in the sense that we know it's Christmas dinner so we're not offering the same amount of choice but it's just volume, it is volume. So in a domestic kitchen 20 can be a large number so it's about being organised. Um, plan your day, plan your menu, you know exactly what you're going to do and I would say get all your veg prep on the day before. Don't try and do any prep on the day, it makes your life so much easier if it's done in advance and you don't want stress on Christmas Day, you really don't. So I blanch all my vegetables, I blanch my roast potatoes, so then I can give you, I can get them trade up ready, I'll get some half garlics in there, rosemary, thyme, and get that ready to go through the oven on the next day. So it's just putting things through. And a starter, if you want to do your own nice starter, you can do home cured salmon, which you can do a week in advance and just have it cured in your fridge. And it's just slice on the day or slice it the day before. So it's about planning ahead and being organised. 
and having fun, really, and enjoying it. There's all sorts goes on on Christmas Day, and you want to enjoy that glass of champagne and just have fun with the family and just be close, rather than peeling potatoes. That's, you just don't want to be doing that on the day. Here in a professional kitchen, we, we don't leave anything to chance. We don't do any preparation on the day. We do everything the day before. So this year, Christmas lunch falls on a Tuesday here, and I need two days full preparation prior. So I'll be in with another couple of chefs on the Sunday to make sure we'll start on the vegetable prep on that day, uh, and I'll start getting some turkey ready for the oven Monday, chilling down and the slice, then we'll cook fresh on the Tuesday as well. That's the only way I can cook 170 kilos of turkey <laughs> to be ready, which is an awful lot of, lot of food. You know, and our, our team here, fully committed to, to what we do and they believe in it um, and it's a, it's a well-established team and this year we just won excellence in catering award for, and we've won it for schools universities and, and we're up for the final award on the 12th of december we'll find out if we won it nationally the uk and ireland suspect so and we do work hard <laughs> Anyone would think it's Christmas, wouldn't they? I mean, the music you just heard was from a few of our fantastic student and staff lunchtime performers who took to the dining hall in their cheesiest, festive jumpers and comedy antlers to keep everyone entertained and wish them all a wonderful sweet Christmas, but still to come. Old Waconian of the Month talks about her quest to save the coral reefs, find out what happened when the team of students donned their aprons and perfected their tea pouring at a coffee and cake morning for local elderly residents. Hear how those embarking upon a trip to Peru will help Peruvian communities and how you can help them to do so. You may have heard about the school council and know that the junior school also have their own council members who regularly discuss new initiatives, assist with school functions and adopt leadership roles, supporting and coaching younger pupils. But here's something for you. Did you know CHS now has its very own official junior school eco-council? few of our youngest green warriors at CHS sat down to chat about the importance of protecting our environment and how our habits and behaviours really do impact upon it. Together, they revealed how they're making positive steps to become more responsible and sustainable for our future, and how you, at home, can get involved too. My name is Thomas, I'm in 4C. My favourite bit about the Eco Committee is just uh, helping to protect the environment so we have a more eco-friendly world so eventually in the future no one will have to worry about pollution or plastic or anything. My name is Mia and I'm in 6H and my favourite part about the Eco Committee is helping out our school and helping out other people and helping out our environment so that in the future our environment will be fresh and clean and it won't be as polluted as it is now. Uh, we want to try and cut down on the amount of plastic we've used. We've already uh, done that by asking people to bring 
bring their own water bottles to fixtures on movie nights. And also, instead of having Kit Kats after sports fixtures, unlike juice sometimes, for them to bring like something healthy like an apple, so there's no plastic use and you're being healthy as well. After we come back from the Christmas holidays, we are going to try and cut down on electricity. We're going to try and not leave any lights on in the classroom. And we've also doing a little competition to see which class can come up with the best slogan um, for our eco-committee. And also, we wrote letters to sports teachers in order to actually try and do that, to stop the plastic, and so they wrote back to us. You can help protect the environment as well by uh, participating in beach to pick up some, also just pick up plastic by the side of the road, maybe if you're just going for a walk, just pick up some litter if you see some. And also, uh, instead of using like diesel cars with petrol, you could use hybrids uh, or electric cars just to, or just to help so we don't use any fuel and don't pollute the air. Instead of um, driving your car every morning, you could instead walk or ride your bike. Um, I know some people in, uh, in my class have actually started walking because they live um, close by. You could also um, put on some special gloves and you could pick up a little bit of plastic. Even the um, smallest amount would make a huge difference to our environment. An old whack. An old Waconian. Old Waconians. Old whack. To his leaving CHS, Rachel Gunn, class of 2013, completed a BSc in Zoology at the University of Nottingham, followed by an MSc in Marine Biology at Bangor University. Rachel's passion is, of course, marine biology, specifically coral reefs and their conservation, and her research has taken her to countries like Indonesia, Honduras and the Cayman Islands as she works to inspire students interested in conservation-based careers. She hopes to publish her PhD work in open access journals so that her research contributes not only to academic knowledge, but also to the understanding of the general public themselves. My name is Rachel Gunn and I am a second year PhD student at Lancaster University. I'm a behavioural reef ecologist so I work on coral reefs. Not every day, Monday to Friday, I am in the office at Lancaster and I study how reef fish respond to climate change in terms of their behaviour. So during the week I'm reading papers, um, I do data collection over the summer in Indonesia so I'm running stats, doing a lot of programming and also trying to engage with the local community as well. I do a lot of talks in high schools, primary schools and also applying for things like conferences as well to engage with other academics. It's a really fascinating field. I get to work in some beautiful parts of the world. At nice sunny places I get to spend my summers underwater and it's also really rewarding because uh, the areas that I work in they're not well-off areas, they're developing areas so the social side of it as well I really enjoy. So we work with the Bagshaw community in Indonesia which is Sea Gypsy Village and we engage with them and uh, they work with us over the summer and try to build on how to make their livelihoods more sustainable. So it's everything from, I love the reef ecology side, I love what I do in terms of marine biology, but to be able to engage with the social side of it as well is something I really enjoy. I always told myself I'd never do a PhD and now I'm second year into it, but being 
able to kind of conduct my own research and take something through from start to finish and that's something that I'm completely in control of. It's been really re rewarding. I've done work with a company in the past called Operation Wallacea and that allowed me to get some really good fieldwork sites. They pay for all of my fieldwork so it's, I've been able to set up a lot of really beneficial things that I really didn't think I was kind of high up enough to be able to do so that's been really rewarding. CHS definitely gave me the grounding in the skills uh, both academic and otherwise. You know, I did biology A level so that gave me the grounding in ecology and got me really interested in that and then I also went on some trips with CHS so I went to Zambia in ooh, 2012 and that was the first time I'd really done any sort of well not hands-on but seeing things in the wild and um, it wasn't marine it was we went along the Zambezi river and we did sort of conservation walks but that was my first real hands-on experience and that kind of got me interesting yeah this is really what I want to do but just the experience of CHS from the education side I found it really rewarding and it really set me up well with the skills that I needed. I would say it doesn't matter what subjects you're studying right now you can always get into whatever you want to do and obviously your subjects that you do are important they give you they give you the piece of paper that allows you to move forward but it's also about the things that you go out and do for yourself so experiences that you gain particularly in my area of reef ecology if you have the knowledge that's great but a lot of it is what you're able to do in the field, your sort of other skills outside of I know what a coral is, I know what a fish is. So it's about, I would really broaden your experiences and look for anything you can. So I do blogging on the side and that's giving me a great outreach into different people that do various different things and it's allowed me to network really well. So yeah, I would say find things that you can do on the side, volunteer, that you'll I can tell you right now you're not going to get paid for it, um, but anything that you can find from a volunteer aspect that's related to what you want to do will really help. An old whack. An old Waconian. Old Waconian. Old whack. An old Waconians. Old Waconian. An old Waconian. A big part of Christmas is, of course, tradition. And here's what's becoming a regular event on CHS's calendar is something called Coffee and Cakes. It's for the local community. It was first launched a few years ago, even with a Mad Hatter's Tea Party theme, during the summer term in Pentagon Yard. And it's now something the local residents, staff and students regularly look forward to. Each year, members of the school council, house captains and other student volunteers give up a few hours to bake cakes, serve tea and chat with the elderly. Not to mention handing out a few donated presents to get their festive season off to the perfect start. I'm Janine, I'm in lower six and I did the coffee and carols afternoon. I drew all the cards for the elderly people which all the year sevens filled in. Hi, I'm Hannah, I'm in lower six as well. I helped out with organising all the food and setting up on the actual afternoon and just trying to some of the old wax that came. The coffee and carols afternoon basically we made an event for elderly people all over our area. Many people came in just to chat with people, have a nice time. It was just like a nice atmosphere. Yeah, we had um, two care homes that came and then we also had an old whack table. I think we had overall four meetings and then we were split into different groups. So we had um, raffle and entertainment as one kind of group and then we had a food group and catering and then we had a invitations group just to send them all out and design the uh, invitation itself and a decoration group who wrapped up all the little goodie bags they could take away. So we were told about it in the bulletin and I think in an assembly as well to ask if we wanted to help out so I just joined because I wanted to help out with just like organising this event and 
I enjoyed doing it. At the end, when they were all saying thank you, they all said how much they really appreciate it. There was one woman who stood up and said thanks to us all, and it was just, yeah, it was nice to see that they weren't alone and they were just having lots of conversations. Like, I didn't see one person alone at any time. Anyone, everyone was talking to her all. So. I think I definitely would try this again, like, do some more events. Do it next year, definitely. One of the old wax on my table, who was actually a teacher, noticed from across the room that, that her one of her students was there, which is quite cool. So she went up and had a conversation. She's like, oh, it's so nice. Like, I would never normally be able to go and have a conversation. So just in that environment, she was able to go and talk to him. Recently, the Ed podcast travelled down to the junior school hall to see how the infants were getting on with their rehearsals for their Christmas production. We recorded some singing of songs for their show, and a few students even spoke about their roles in the show. They also spoke about what they're looking forward to most this Christmas, <laughs> other than the presents, of course. Here they are. I like um, ring out those bells. My favourite dance is probably please dance for Christmas time here because um, you can do all my favourite dances. I, I've done um, lots and lots of plays, so um, I'm not very nervous. Annabelle, I'm Angel Gabriel. I like it when my cousins come round to see me because I go round to my nanny's house and then they come round after Christmas. So, 2020, the year looming above us, standing tall, the start of a new decade, 40 students from CHS will be embarking upon an expedition to Peru. Whilst they're there, they'll be helping local communities, but first, let me tell you, they need to get there. So, we, the Ed Podcast, caught up with a few of those students, going to find out how they have been preparing for the trip, and also how you, the parents, can help them out. I'm Rebecca, I'm in year 11, and I'm looking forward to uh, going to Machu Picchu. I'm Jamie, and I'm in year 11, and I'm looking forward to the environment in Peru and all the landscape. I'm Kushi, I'm in year 11, and I'm looking forward to seeing the llamas and um, alpacas. Last year we did a splat the teachers and students, students on sports day. That got quite a lot of money because we need to pay a thousand pounds to get the bus to Heathrow to actually get there. And then we did a few sweet sales as well. So that's like fundraisable money. We will be building toilets, plastering walls, developing community spaces and constructing greenhouses so that the food they have is more sustainable and they have a better diet because obviously it's in a very remote area. So it's hard to get food from other places. So anything really that would improve their standard of living. We have the trek to Machu Picchu. Um, that's a week but then the other three weeks we'll be helping out um, the people in Peru so um, we move around from a couple of places to do those things. There's like an island which floats around and we're going there. It'd be pretty emotional and very different. I mean I don't speak Spanish so... I'm gonna learn some after my GCSEs. They're quite uh, poor rural communities 
Um, all of us are doing Silver D of E as well, so we yeah. volunteer for that. So I'm volunteering at Oxfam. It kind of links. It's yeah. a once yeah. a lifetime trip. It's not every day that you get offered to spend a month in South America helping people to make their lives better. It'll be a good memory because it doesn't mean you'll go to school with everyone next year, but it'll be like a nice memory to think about if you don't see them in a bit. I think we do help out a bit at the school when we get there, so we get a chance to um, teach the little kids a bit of English and they get a chance to teach like a bit about their culture so we can have a better understanding for it. The altitude. It's yeah. quite high. Yeah, Miss um, Bennett went on a recce yeah. and she said the highest they went to was like 5,000 meters, which is really high. Mm -hmm. And I think most of the time we might like stay around 4,000. Yeah. yeah. But we have a trek to Machu Picchu, which will be hard. And it was five do, like, days. Yeah, like 20, four or five days. 20 kilometers 20. a day. Yeah. It'll be fine. I think we're going to do a little like um, training and practice for it in the upcoming months. Um, what? Um, the two other teachers are organising, right? But we'll be there for like three weeks before we do the actual hike, so we'll have time to get ready for that. Yeah. But then we won't be taking it easy then either, we'll be doing the work with the communities yeah. at those times, so it's no time for relaxing really. The jet lag probably pretty bad because we fly from London to Madrid and then Madrid to Lima and then another one somewhere else in Peru and then like a That's bunch of great. buses and stuff. I've only been on a four-hour flight. That's the longest I've ever been on. Yeah. Do the actual DV like just a week before we yeah, go. Yeah, before we go. Uh -huh. We're also looking for sponsorship from local business. We would like to print 80 T-shirts with logos from our sponsors, which will be visible throughout our four-week expedition and advertised on our social media feeds at a cost of £150 per logo. So if you have a local business or are involved in running it, please get involved and sponsor us so we can actually get there and do the work and any other ways that parents could think of to get involved. We'd be very grateful. And that is the bell. That's it. Time is up, not only for this festive episode of the M Podcast, but also the autumn term. Where have the weeks gone? We really hope that this episode has left you feeling just a, a little bit festive and, you know, a little bit more in the Christmas spirit if you weren't feeling that way already. And as always, thank you to all of those who loaned us their wonderful voices, including our own Waconian guest, Rachel Gunn, and the members of the Scholar Cantorum and Seniors Chorus, whose songs, which I'm totally sure you will agree, was the topping on the CHSmas tree when it came to creating this seasonal episode. Once again, the music you have heard throughout this episode was brought to you by CHS's own Year 10 students, Max, Edward and Charlotte. And lastly, the thank yous don't stop there. I want to thank you, the listener, for fitting us into your busy lives and for tuning in, for picking up your phone and opening whatever it may be and hitting the play button. But please don't forget that you can tell us what you think of the show by leaving us a review or sending an email to er at chschool.co.uk. Now, whilst this might be the last episode of 2019, do not fear, do not worry, do not panic. We will be back in the new year with another episode. This time we're going to talk about the tricky time of year, January. 
We'll be talking about how to beat those winter blues with the school counsellor, chatting to the sports department's strength and conditioning coach about how to stay motivated for getting active. And there's also some nutrition tips for staying healthy from the Sodexo team and hear what New Year's resolutions the teachers will be aiming to keep in 2020. Let me tell you, it is sure to be a good one. Until next time, I have been your host, James, and I look forward to sharing more CHS stories with you in the lively, exciting, thought-provoking and hopefully entertaining episode of the Ebb Podcast. I wish you a very Merry Christmas. Bye-bye.